was the small town of Hadleyville, New Mexico. The former marshal there, a man by the name of Will Kane, is preparing to leave with his new bride, a young lady by the name of Amy. <clears throat> However, as he's preparing to leave, he learns that a local criminal, a man by the name of Frank Miller, has been set free from prison. And he's on his way to Hadleyville to seek revenge on the marshal that turned him in and sent him to prison. So Marshal Kane starts recruiting deputies to fight Miller and to help when he comes. And Marshal Kane becomes discouraged. The people of Hadleyville become cowards when the time comes for a showdown. So Will Kane must face Miller and his cronies all alone. At high noon. Do you recognize this at this point? It was a 1952 Western produced by Stanley Kramer. It starred Gary Cooper and Grace Kelly. And the title of the movie was, appropriately, High Noon. Well, the events of our story this morning also took place at high noon but it wasn't a gunfight Jesus and the disciples had been traveling on foot and they decided to stop and rest for a bit and Jesus has chosen an old well curb as his resting place and as our story opens in John chapter 4 this well near the city of Sychar, Jesus is sitting there on the well curb and He is alone. His friends have gone into the city of Sychar. They've gone to buy food for their noonday meal. And as Jesus looks across the plain toward the village, He sees a woman coming toward Him. And she has her water pitcher up on her shoulder. Having chosen the noontime, high noon, to come to the well, she has chosen to come at the highest point of the day. And it's quite unusual for someone to come at noontime to the well. Because it was a gathering place, and you would come early in the morning when it was cool, or late in the afternoon when it was cool. But this particular woman has her own reasons for coming in the heat of the day. She dreads the hot rays of the sun as much as anyone else. But the hot rays of the sun are preferable to the hot scorn and contempt of her self-righteous and respectable sisters. Because you see, it's common knowledge to anyone who knows this woman that she's an outcast woman. Years earlier, when she was quite young perhaps, she had married. And perhaps she had entered that relationship with high hopes and great dreams. And 
Then again, maybe she didn't. Maybe she had been cheap and flippant from the very beginning. We're not told those facts about the story. Perhaps she had run away with another man. Or Then again, perhaps she was more sinned against than she was sinning. Her husband may have been a brute that made their home a hell on earth. We don't know. But whatever it was, her first marriage had gone on the rocks. And yet, since hope beats eternal within the human breast, she made a second venture. And that also ended in disaster. And there had followed a third, and a fourth, and then a fifth marriage. In fact, for this particular woman, marriage had actually become somewhat of a habit. She flitted from husband to husband as a bird might flit from branch to branch in a tree. Having made five failures, she decided she was going to just give up on the struggle. I can almost hear her ask herself, why? Why go through the formality of a ceremony anymore? Why promise that I'm going to cleave to a man till death do us part when I know my marriage is only going to last till the first sharp quarrel or until we just grow weary of each other? So somewhere along the way, this woman had decided that any further marriage for her would be useless. And she had made the determination, she said, that basically from now on, she's going to take her man where she found him. And she had lived with him as long as it suited her. Now no doubt, this woman had some charm and some personality. And she probably had once upon a time been a very beautiful woman. That was very evident even now. Though life had beaten her up, she was still a beautiful woman. And there's no doubt that she was quite intelligent. If you, if you read the story in John chapter 4, her conversation with Jesus is indicative of her intelligence and of her sharp wit. But she's come to the well at noontime because she's given up all claim to respectability. She's living with a man that's not her husband. And that's not a secret. But, there was more to this woman than that. And I dare say it was known only to Jesus and to the woman herself. The whole world knew that She not only had a soiled past, she had a soiled and sordid present also. But there was one thing about her, one fact about her that her few friends did not know. It wasn't even known by the man that she was living with. It was known only to her and to the man she was sitting with on that well curb. And that is that she was terribly dissatisfied with life as she was now living it. And however hard she tried to shut her eyes, there were times that she looked at herself in total disgust. There were times that she hated herself for the failure that she was. I mean, she never 
never dreamed of making the mess of her life that she had. No one ever wakes up one day and says, I'm going to see just how big a mess I can make out of my life. Nobody ever does that. If someone had said to her ten years earlier what her life would be like today, she would have looked at them indignantly and she would have said, no way. She would have been filled with not only indignation, but anger that they would even suggest such a thing. And yet, she took one wrong step after another and had become what she was now. She had taken a journey to where she was and now found herself. And she was desperately sick of what she had become. And she knew that and Jesus knew it. But on this day, by a well in Samaria... With a high noon confrontation, this woman, this outcast woman, came face to face with Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, you see, had confidence. Jesus had confidence in the most hopeless of men and women. Jesus Christ believed that every man and every woman had within themselves a capacity for Christ-likeness. Jesus saw in every coward a possible hero. And Jesus saw in every sinner a possible saint. That's why He spoke to the woman the way He did. In verse 10 He said, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, you would have asked of Him, and He would have given thee living water. Now this story, the story of the woman that met Jesus at Jacob's well at high noon, we've read that story countless times in our personal Bible study. And we've thrilled reading the story as Jesus tells this outcast woman about living water and offers her a possibility for a grander and greater life. We've held out the promise of forgiveness to other outcasts just as Jesus held out the promise of forgiveness to this woman. We've preached from John 4 verse 24 where Jesus said, God is a spirit and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. But I want us to fast forward through part of this story. Jesus held out hope for this outcast woman. He told her about living water and how she could find forgiveness. And so this woman was so thrilled. She was so thrilled. It says in verse 28, the woman left her water pot and went into the city and said to the men, come and see a man that told me all the things I ever did. Is not this the Christ? She met Jesus at high noon on a way, at a well in Sychar and she went into the city to start telling people she had met Jesus Christ face to face. She was so thrilled. She forgot her mission, left her water pot and hurried to the city to tell people about Jesus. 
The apostles came back. They're worried. They brought Jesus his Chick-fil-A sandwich. And they were worried because Jesus didn't have anything to eat. So he told them. He said, fellas, I've got meat to eat you boys don't know anything about. He said, my meat, my desire, my passion is to do the will of the Father that sent me. And then there's a very meaningful passage in verse 35. He said, don't say there are four months and then comes the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look unto the fields. They are white already under the harvest. Lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. Twenty-two years ago, I stood in this pulpit and I made this statement. The greatest days of the Lord's church in Center, Texas are still out there in the future. I haven't changed my mind about that. I still believe it. I still believe we can accomplish great things for the Lord right here, right now, in this place. If we do what this woman did where she left her water pots and she said, I met Jesus. I know Jesus Christ. I still believe that our greatest days are out there in the future. I still believe we can accomplish great things for God. But if we're going to accomplish great things for God, we've got to have a great vision of things. Because any successful endeavor, any successful enterprise has to have a great vision. Vision literally means the ability to see things that are visible. But it's also used to mean the ability to see other things. It means an unusual competence in discernment or perception. It means intelligent foresight. Features such as politics or business require what we refer to often as men and women of vision. Companies require men and women of vision. Countries need leaders with vision. Without the ability to, to visualize worthy goals. And to visualize how those goals might be achieved. Very little things of importance and significance are ever accomplished. It was George Bernard Shaw who said, Some men see things as they are and say, Why? I see things that never were, he said. And I ask, Why not? Why not do great things for the Lord right here, right now? When Jesus encountered that woman at high noon at Jacob's well, what did Jesus see? He didn't see an outcast woman. Jesus saw a soul that needed to be harvested. And she in turn went into the city to harvest other souls. And John tells us in verse 39, and many of that city believed on Him for the saying of the woman which testified. 
what we desperately need is we need an elevated vision of the work we can accomplish. We need a vision of souls that are ready to be harvested. Jesus Christ had a great vision. And He said, look, the fields are white already under the harvest. Sometimes our vision can be limited and inadequate. We might have a vision of teaching as many people as possible the gospel of Christ. And on the surface, that's a noble vision. But it can also be afflicted by our thinking too small about what we can accomplish and what can be done. We can also sometimes think too generally about what it is that we should be doing. Our vision must not be too general. No dream has ever been achieved except by someone who took that dream and was daring enough to flesh it out in terms of specifics necessary to make the dream to become a reality. For example, to say, I plan to go to heaven. That's a fine dream, isn't it? To say, I plan to serve the Lord faithfully is a fine dream. But by what specific measurable actions will we be able to achieve the dream of going to heaven or faithfully serving the Lord? How much time will it take? How much effort will it take? How much money will it take? We need to see our great vision of the Lord's work in concrete terms of things we can actually do and plan specifically how much of them we're going to do. When we do not think specifically about the Lord's work, sometimes we just don't set our sights high enough. Now maybe we're hindered sometimes by past experiences. Well, you know, it's, it's, it's a good idea. But you know, there's been a lot of effort put forth in the past that hasn't borne fruit. Well, you know, we've had singings in the past, meetings in the past, we've had special days in the past, and it just didn't really do anything, didn't really go anywhere. Or maybe because of some folks' attitude, and sometimes these kind of folks are the noisiest there are, we've been fed a steady diet of defeatism, negativity, and pessimism. And we've actually been told, well, you know, people really aren't interested in spiritual things anymore. And we've heard it, we've heard that drum beating so loudly and so often that we've become convinced that people aren't interested in spiritual things. Write this down, it's on the final exam. Churches die on a regular basis because of a small vision or no vision. The wise man said in Proverbs 29 verse 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. Our vision, our vision needs to be great. 
We need a vision of great and wonderful things for the Lord's church in Center, Texas. And that great vision then needs some specific action steps. And one of those action steps is to invite someone to come and worship with us every week. It may be the same person every week. You know, it may be you invite the person this week and you invite the same person next week. It might be like that preacher that went to a new place to preach and the first Sunday he was there, you know what he preached on? Repentance. And the next Sunday, you know what he preached on? Repentance. Six straight Sundays he preached on repentance and the elders and the men of the church called him in and said, we really need to know, do you not know something you can preach on besides repentance? He said, I've got lots of things I can preach on besides repentance. And as soon as you brethren repent, I'm going to preach on some of them. We can invite the same person for 52 weeks in a row. But the important thing is that we extend an invitation. In the bulletin, every week you see that number, 53 and 23, right? You remember what that meant? You remember 52 and 22? It meant 52 invitations in 2022. 53 and 23 is 53 invitations in 2023. That means invite one person every week, and one week invite two. Do you realize if I invite someone to come to services every week, and invite two people one week, I've extended 53 invitations. If 35 people do that, in one year's time, 1,820 people will be invited to services at the Center Church of Christ. Out of 1,820 invitations, somebody's going to show up. That's just the law of averages. I would challenge all of us to invite just one, per just one person to come and join us for worship next week. Our vision's got to have some specific action steps. It's also a vision that has to have faith and a vision that has to have boldness. We have to have faith in the gospel and the power of the gospel. John or Paul would write in Romans 1.16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Why not, Paul? Because it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. We need to realize the power of the gospel of Christ. We need to have the boldness of Peter and John. They preached. The Sanhedrin said, don't you all preach anymore in the name of Jesus and Christ. Well, they kept doing it. And the Sanhedrin called them in again. But then it says, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. You can read that in Acts chapter 4 and verse 13. Do our life, does my life, does my life say to those I come in contact with that I have been with Jesus Christ? Our vision needs boldness, faith, and it needs persistence. We must not. We cannot lose heart. We've just got to keep on and keep on and keep on. We've got to be like old George was. George was in college. And he lived in a house off campus with three other roommates. And George 
thought Jenny was the most beautiful girl he had ever seen in his life. And the greatest desire of his heart was that Jenny would go out with him. And one afternoon, he came into the house that he shared with his three friends. And George is literally walking on the clouds. And they said, George, what are you so excited about? He said, Jenny's going to go out with me. Oh, you asked her out and she said yes. He said no, but she told me for the last time, no. So I've just got to ask her one more time. We've got to be persistent. We must not. We cannot lose heart. We shall reap in due time if we do not faint. And our labor is not in vain. And the Lord Paul said, Be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, as much as you know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 58. You know, sometimes a vision is not realized because good people give up too soon. Now, some, not all vision is good. I've known folks that had tunnel vision. They could focus on small and insignificant problems within the church and not see the big picture of the mission of the church to save souls. And I've known folks that had a vision of despair, the woe is me mentality, and they could only see the negative things in life and never see the positive things in life. There was a popular song that came out of the years of World War II, a song sung by Bing Crosby, and in keeping with my long-standing tradition, I will not sing it, but here are the lyrics. You've got to accentuate the positive. Eliminate the negative. Latch on to the affirmative and don't mess with Mr. In-Between. That'd be good advice for us, wouldn't it? To accentuate the positive, eliminate the negative, and latch on to the affirmative. We've got to have a great vision. A vision that has a grand scope worthy of its mission. The mission of saving souls and teaching others. A mission of faith and boldness. Faith in the Lord and faith in His Word. Boldness and perseverance in carrying out that vision. But here's the question. Are you living your life within the will of God this morning? Is Jesus Christ the Lord and Master of your life? Because if Jesus is not Lord and Master of all of your life, He's not Lord and Master at all in your life. Just like Jesus held out the promise of forgiveness to that woman at Jacob's well. Jesus holds out the promise of forgiveness to those who would trust in His Word. Those who would in simple trusting faith repent of everything that's sin in their life, confess His name and be buried in the waters of baptism. Or maybe you've done that, but you haven't lived God's kind of life. You need to make changes. I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know what's going on in your world. But if there are changes that you need to make, for Jesus to be the Lord of your life. And we can help you make those changes. This is your opportunity to come and let us help you as together we stand and while we sing.